back at it. Um, you remember? It's been a couple of weeks, I think, since we were talking about this. So we've been going through a Bible study, uh, pursuing holiness, talking about um, drawing closer to God and things we can do and things we need, um, need to be aware of in our lives and maybe get, uh, adjust and get rid of and those sorts of things. A lot of times we talk about holiness, we think about on our um, section of Christianity, we think about um, Edward's stuff an awful lot. and uh, There's a lot of holiness issues uh, on the inside that we need to address. And um, Tonight is uh, going to be a hard one, I think. Uh, for me, anyway. Um, this is something I, I'm, I haven't mastered yet. Uh, we're going to talk about the tongue. and uh, It's an unruly member. James uh, 3 and... 8 says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And Psalm 19 and 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, whatever comes out of my mouth. So you may, you may have noticed this, but the tongue is uh, the most difficult part of our body to control. Is that true for anyone else? Um, your eyes can be a bit hard, but your tongue, things just come out. I don't know. Um, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. Uh, but it, is, it seems to be the most difficult thing to control, and it has the potential for causing the most harm. And we've said this many times before in the last six months or so, but the things that we say are the words that come out, um, the attitude with which these words come out is a good indicator of how our relationship with God is going. So the tongue lets out whatever's in the heart. If we speak evil, then evil's got to be in, in the heart. Matthew um, 12 and 34, we've read this many times. But it says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So what comes out is a reflection of what is in uh, if you've read the book of James, James is a, a letter in the Bible that really hits us hard. Uh, a lot of folks take issue with it because it gets um, down to the nitty-gritty. It's pretty straightforward um, and very much on the practical side of what Christianity should look like in our, our daily lives. And James has some pretty strong teachings about the tongue like um, James 1 and 26. He says, if any man among you seem to be religious... And bridleth not his tongue, or doesn't control his tongue, he deceives his own heart, and this man's religion is in vain. That's pretty. That's pretty intense. In verse uh, James three and two says, "For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body." So he says, if you can control what you say, then you're able to control everything. Um, and so the tongue, it's like that. If you read James 3, 1 to 13, he talks about it. But he says, the tongue is a, it's like that little bit in, in a horse's mouth that controls the movement of the horse. This big old beast, and you put a little thing in his mouth and tell him where to go. Uh, or the, the small rudder that controls a large ship. Or it's like a, a small fire that can cause a huge damage. The tongue can defile the whole body, and only the power of God um, can tame it. So it's no coincidence that 
speaking in tongues was chosen by God to be the initial evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost. So we receive the Holy Ghost when we repent, believe, and surrender completely to God, and our tongue is the hardest part to control. So that's the last part that yields to Him. When we speak in tongues for the first time, when we receive the Holy Ghost, it's a sign it signifies that God has come inside and has taken control. And James makes it clear, if we read through the book of James, that it's easy for us to sin with our tongue and what we say, and that the tongue is dangerous, and sinning with our tongue or our mouth, what we say, can destroy our holiness. For some reason, um, I find we, we tend to categorize sin, and um, you know, we'll say sins are often things that we do. Somebody does this or does that, they, um, they commit adultery, or they, they steal, or they kill, or whatever. And, but when it comes to things we say, I don't know why, but we don't seem to take it seriously, or as seriously. And so we're going to look at some ways that we can sin with our tongue, because it's possible um, to do that. Uh, but we should keep in mind that if it is a sin to say and to speak certain things, it's also wrong to listen to those same things. So if we're going to talk about gossiping, spreading gossip is wrong, but also... Oh yeah, tell me more. And that's not much better, you're encouraging it. And so, um, yes, yeah, it's going to be a good one. That's why everybody stayed home tonight. They know you guys. You're the brave ones. So the first thing we're going to talk about is tailbearing or gossip. Now, tailbearing is not really a word we use so much anymore, but it's a, it's a vicious sin. It's a, one of the most often used tools by the enemy to destroy a church. It can destroy confidence in people. It can hurt innocent folks. It can hold back others. It splits churches. It discourages saints, and it confuses new converts. The Bible teaches us to speak no evil, or speak evil of no one, especially our brothers and sisters in Jesus. Titus 3 and 2 says uh, to speak evil of no man. I think that pretty much covers everybody. To be not brawlers, be gentle, be gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. James 4 11, we're going to see James pop up quite a bit tonight, but he says, Speak not evil of one another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But thou, uh, if thou judge the law, thou art not a uh, doer of the law, but a uh, judge. So he says, Don't speak evil um, of your brothers uh, and sisters in Christ. And I think we can, and we will all agree that. Gossip or tailbearing, which is the spreading of gossip, telling the stories um, or rumors. Uh, I think we can all agree that they're wrong. No one likes to be on the receiving end of gossip or rumors or stories or whatever. Um, but the problem comes with us identifying it in our own lives. Because we all know it's wrong, but yet if we don't pay attention we can get caught up in it. If we don't pay attention, we can be the ones spreading it or um, listening or whatever. Um, because it's, a, it's an exciting thing. You hear some stories. Oh, tell me more. We like to, I don't know, it just stirs something up in us. And so we just got to um, be careful. And we'll get into it. But um, it seems that we don't seem to identify it so much in our own lives. But we can point out when other people are doing it. 
um, which is the whole thing. But tale-bearing means telling things of a personal, intimate, or sensational nature that are harmful to someone. So if someone tells you something in private, and you go and blab it to everyone else, you're tailoring. If someone tells you some juicy bit of gossip about so-and-so, and you first thing you do is get on your phone and start yakking about it, uh, you're tailoring. It involves damaging rumors and also backbiting, which is malicious talk about someone who's not in the room or present. Um, tailoring includes lying about someone or spreading negative rumors about someone, but it also includes telling facts of personal hurtful nature that you have no business sharing, even if they're, if they're true things. Uh, you don't need to share everything. Telling something that is true can be tail-bearing when it's told to someone who does not need to know about it. If someone comes to me and they tell me that they're struggling with um, depression or their sexuality or pornography or they've got suicidal thoughts or any, any, any of these things that people tell you, uh, and I just get on the phone and I call you up and tell you about, oh, so-and-so just told me they're dealing with this, and spread that around. Whether the thing is true or not doesn't matter. It's true because they've told me, but I've told you something that can damage someone else, so that's that's part of tail-bearing. Um, if there's problems in a marriage, not everyone needs to know about that. Um, mind your business. God has placed leaders in our lives. He's ordained organization and authority in the church and when there's problems in a church the leaders should know and they should make the decisions as shepherds as they're supposed to be to do what's best to protect the flock or the church but it's not necessary in a situation like that to tell everyone else uh, in the church sometimes yes things will have to be brought out especially if it affects others uh, there should be some amount of transparency. The Bible says we should confess our faults one to another, but it doesn't say that you should confess my faults for me. Telling stories that could be harmful to others is not right in the eyes of God. Proverbs 26, um, 20 to 22 says, Where the wood is, there the fire goeth out. That's true. Happened today in my, my stove. So where there is no tail bearer, the strife sees it. So when so somebody stops spreading it, it's amazing how much we get along. The coals are to burning coals, and wood is the fire. So is a contentious man to kindle or kindle strife. In verse 22, the, wor the words of a tail bearer are as wounds, and they go down to the innermost parts of the belly. They hurt quite deeply. Um, there will be, I think, so much more peace amongst us if we would just follow, um, just obey the word. Um, there's a couple of examples. Suppose someone um, commits adultery in the church. It's not something that we should pretend didn't happen. It's not something we should necessarily hide, but instead, uh, if we know about it, we should report it to whoever, the pastor. Um, if it's the pastor, then you that's involved, then it would go to the presbyter, or if it's a presbyter, it would go to the superintendent of the district, that sort of thing, depending on who's involved. Uh, then the issue then becomes the leader's responsibility to deal with it. Um, and the reason being, so the leader can help the one who has sinned, but also protect others who it would destroy. I've seen this happen. Um, leaders get caught up in things, and uh, it can destroy the church. 
And so some people can handle it, some people can't. So it's not something that maybe we need to tell everyone um, because it's going to destroy others even though it didn't really, they're not involved, but it could just destroy them. And so um, it's not hiding it because some people do know about it. There's accountability there, but it's not up to us to share everything to everyone either because that could destroy the one who's fallen and others who may look up to that person. New ones that are coming in and they don't, uh, they aren't as strong in their faith uh, and that could just take them out. And so a restoration should always be the goal. And so that's what we should work for. Uh, if they've repented, that's the key. If they've repented, they've repented and the people who need to know are aware and now healing can take place. Um, another example would be if someone falls into some sort of sin and they repent, uh, but it becomes a big deal where, the, where they were at the church, and so they, they decide to go and attend another church. Um, it would be wise for the pastor, the ex-pastor, to tell the other, but not, to tell, not everybody in that church needs to know. You're getting a fresh start, you know, you've moved on, you've repented, you're, you're healing and whatever. Um, but it's okay if, to tell the new pastor so he has some sort of awareness um, to look for red flags, say if they go down that path again or whatever. Um, but generally, it's not necessary to have a business meeting and say, hey, this guy did this thing six months ago. And don't look at him any differently now. So, I mean, if we were going to do that, we'd never get anything, never get through anything in church. We were just up here pointing at all the things everybody did all week long. And so, anyways, do you know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, if that's what we wanted to do, then we'd be so wrapped up in all of that, we'd never go anywhere um, with Jesus, which is what the enemy wants. And that's why it's so, you just, people just get sucked into it so easily. Um, and just to be clear, I'm not saying that we should cover up sin. If there's sin, it needs to be repented of. Um, but the key, the key of this is, is repentance in both examples we talked about. A private sin becomes a church problem when the person does not repent and continues to live in that sin. Uh, and live as a hypocrite and brings disgrace and God's disapproval onto the church. And that would be something you would maybe bring to light. Um, we even had to do that, so that's good. So what should we do? <laughs> This first one's the, the heaviest one, and then it gets a little better. So, uh, But what should we do if we hear that someone has said or done something against us? If someone's spreading stories about um, you or about me, what should we do when we hear about that? Uh, the first thing, the Bible says that true love thinks no evil. In 1 Corinthians 13 and 5, and so if we're filled with the love of God, we shouldn't be thinking any evil. Um, we should not be quick to believe the rumor that so-and-so said a thing about me. Um, we should give them the benefit of the doubt and assume the story isn't entirely true, or there's some good explanation, and then try to forget the report and don't dwell on it. If it still bothers us, we should pray for peace. Uh, if it still won't go away, we should pray that Jesus takes care of the problem. If the problem still hangs around even after all this prayer, after the prayer, like not just sometimes we just pray about it for 30 seconds and then go fly off the handle at someone. But this is after, you know, praying about it for a while. Um, and it's still hanging around. We can go to the person involved and get the story straight from them and clear it up. Matthew 18 and 15 
It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. So don't fly off the handle. Don't retaliate. Don't spread something about them. Oh, well, they said this about me. Well, guess what I know about them? And then we're all going to get caught up in it. So don't, don't do that. Um, don't try to discredit them or their ministry. Clear the thing up. Pray about it. Forgive, whatever. Do um, go to them if, if you know you need to. Uh, and uh, if he listens to you, it says you've gained your brother. You've you haven't lost them. You're still you're still close. And so, um, what do we do if we hear about some sort of sin or serious wrongdoing that someone else has done? So we should do steps one and two of the last thing. Pray about it. Um, you know. Don't think evil of the person. Assume you know maybe this isn't the, the whole story. Whatever. Uh, if it still bothers us, pray for peace. It won't go away. Pray that Jesus takes care of it. Uh, and uh, if it's still hanging around, then we need to pass it on to the leadership. If it's the pastor, uh, if it's about the pastor, uh, go to the pastor first. Uh, but if it's still not clearing up, then go to the higher up the chain or whatever. Hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> and then leave it with them. Let them deal with it. Um, don't be like, oh, they're not doing anything. I told them about this three weeks ago. Nothing's happened yet. Because you don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Uh, when I was a manager, you know, people would come and say, this person's doing this and that. We'd, and then it would look like nothing was happening. We hadn't suspended them or done whatever. Because you're trying to you don't want to lose the person. So you're trying to, to work and, and restore and all that sort of thing and teach. Um, and so sometimes it can look like things aren't happening, um, but don't just leave it with whoever uh, is in charge and, and trust them and trust God to take care of it. And don't pass it on to everyone else. That's tailbearing again. And so that's the, the hard stuff. It's going to get easier as we go on, hopefully. That's the longest one, I think. Um, Oh, wait, there's more. Sowing discord. This is a good... Oh, man. Um, addressing tail-bearing and gossip is an important thing to do because that it's the main way that we sow discord. Uh, so sowing discord means to cause dislike and distrust and division. And it usually happens by somebody sharing stories uh, about someone, true or not. Uh, tail-bearing, uh, constant criticism. But uh, in Proverbs 6, there's a list of seven abominations and things that God hates. Uh, it says, verse 16, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked imaginations, and feet that be swift and running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. So this is a, it's an abomination to God. It's something that God hates, causing division. An abomination means something that God hates in the Bible. It says that people who commit abominations aren't going to be in heaven. Verse uh, Revelation 20 and 21 and 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable 
and the murderers, and the whoremongers, and the sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So the abominable, not the snowman, means those that commit abominations. People that are doing these abominable things. That word gets harder to say the more you say it. So if you put two and two together, you may want to avoid any of the abominations in the Bible. We may want to avoid doing them. Um, and one of them is sowing discord. So people who are involved in the discord sowing like to think that they aren't. It's just like tail bearing. Oh, I'm not doing it. Um, but uh, they also like to think that they can tell anything anywhere at any time to anyone. And they will repeat private information to others and they're not afraid to criticize Anyone. It could be a pastor, it could be a leader in the church, it could be fellow saints, it could be whoever. Um, so we need to, I think, examine ourselves in this, in this area. Do I enjoy gossiping about others? <laughs> we won't say that we do um, out loud. Everybody raise your hand if you like a good gossip session. <laughs> Even if I, you know, I call it something else, because that's what we'll do. I'm just sharing this. Just so you know, um, this, uh, or I'm just, just being concerned. Is this thing true that I heard and whatever? We'll just, or do I enjoy spreading negative or harmful information or stories about others instead of going them, to them directly? Now, I don't like confrontation, so I will avoid going to people if I can. And so this, this, is, a, this is one I gotta be careful with. Do I enjoy, because I, I will avoid it, and so, by doing that, we can fall into disbelieving and, and sharing things without actually going to the source. Um, do I enjoy hearing something bad about someone else? Do I enjoy telling everything I know to anyone who will listen? Do I enjoy criticizing or laying blame on others? Do I stir up trouble, uh, dissension and strife? And do I enjoy stirring the pot? If we've answered yes to any of these things and we need to change and we need to repent no matter how well we preach, sing, play, pray, or whatever it is. If we sow discord, we're in trouble with God. And so what we say matters and what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of what's in our hearts. So our words matter when it comes to holiness. We cannot be holy and actively trying to destroy each other with what we say. <coughs> and sowing discord even if you try to gussy it up, pretty it up, by calling it something else is still wrong and it's still a sin and it's still something God hates. And we can fool ourselves into thinking that it doesn't matter and fool ourselves into thinking if I just act this way and wear this and do that, that I can say whatever I want. But that's not true. Holiness involves our mouth as well. Um, and then here's another one, swearing. The two heaviest ones are at the beginning. So these ones, I think, whatever. These ones, we, I, don't, I don't think we struggle with these ones as much as maybe the other two. But the word swearing has a, a few meanings, and it's mentioned specifically in the Bible, James 5 and 12. Uh, see, James again. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, and let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay, lest you fall into condemnation. 
And Jesus said in Matthew 3, or 5 and 34, But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. Uh, when I said swearing, um, no doubt we thought of a list of bad words we're not supposed to say. <clears throat> I'm not going to list them. Uh, I won't say those either. But in this context, swearing um, <clears throat> means to assert something is true or promise something while under an oath. <clears throat> you all know these people that they say something and they, I swear it's true. You know those ones? Hopefully it's not you. If it is, you got to stop. I swear, I swear it's true or whatever. Um, I worked with a couple of people and all they, they just lied. Everything that came out of their mouth was a lie. Do you ever know anyone like that? Live with anyone like that? I don't know. They just lied all the time. Just a bit, not like for, for no reason, just like dumb things like where they were born or how many people lived in their house or like nobody cares. Nobody, like why are you lying? <laughs> like does this, not everything that came out was a lie and they'd always say things like I swear it's true or I swear to whoever you know and it was like if you would just stop lying all the time you wouldn't need to say that um. <laughs> and even though you're saying it I still don't believe you because you nothing you're saying is true um, but an oath is a formal in the Bible an oath is a formal calling of God as a witness the Bible teaches that we um, shouldn't do that sort of thing. We shouldn't swear uh, to do anything or bind ourselves by an oath to do certain things or to join certain groups or whatever. We shouldn't do that. And in the Old Testament, people did this a little bit, but in the New Testament, Jesus tells us not to swear by anything, heaven, earth, or even our own heads. Um, <clears throat> you know, the people are like, oh, I swear by this, I swear my mother's grave, or whatever. You know, I'll do this, or I swear this happened. And the reason we will do this, the reason why we shouldn't do this is because we have no control over things. When you swear something, you're guaranteeing that it's going to, whatever. Um, and we can't guarantee anything, really. And if it doesn't happen, then that makes us you know, a liar. We brought God into it, because if we're swearing an oath, we're bringing God into it. So Matthew 5, 33 to 37 says, again, in the English standard. Again, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say unto you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, or for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. And so instead of saying, I swear, we can say something like, I affirm, which means to state positively, to confirm, or to assert as valid. So as Christians, we shouldn't be lying anyway. So everything we say should be yes or no. Everything we should say should be true. Our promises should be as good as any oath. We shouldn't have to swear to convince someone that we're telling the truth. Hopefully that's the case. Um, then we got taking God's name in vain. When someone asked Jesus to rank the commandments, the conversation went like this in Mark 12, uh, 28 to 31. One of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? 
And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Um, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, for there is none other commandment greater than these. And so he summed it all up by saying, you know, all the commandments, you can put them all together and to love God and to love your neighbor. Everything falls into these two categories. Using the name of God properly falls into us loving him. Exodus 20 and 7. Now, this is one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. So taking his name in vain means any profane, meaningless, or irreverent use of God's name. It also covers um, any abuse of his name with false oaths, false religions, and witchcraft. If you're going down those roads, you're in trouble already. <clears throat> but the correct way to use the name of God is in praise, in worship, in preaching, in teaching, prayer, um, meditation on the word, and, and with respect and reverence. The Jews took this so seriously that they developed a custom of never, never saying his name, or never pronouncing the name Jehovah or Yahweh. And so when they would read out loud from um, the scriptures, they would say Adonai, which means Lord. In the New Testament in Greek, they would say Kyrios, which means Lord as well. So whenever, if you have a King James Bible, whenever you see the word Lord um, in the small caps, uh, it's either Yahweh or Jehovah. So the King James translators carried on that tradition, um, how the Jews would do it. And that's, that's why it says that. If you ever notice that, why it's all caps, that's what it's for. Um, but we... we like, they would do that, and that was kind of, like, too, they went too far one way, I think. Um, but we don't really seem to have the same sort of respect. They went so far one way, and we have a tendency to go the other way. Like, people just seem to go one right way, or whatever, one way or the other. And as we said before, the middle, you gotta, that's where you got to try to be. Um, People will use the words God, Lord, Jesus, or even hallelujah, which means praise the Lord in Hebrew, Yah, meaning um, abbreviated from Yahweh. Um, and we'll just say these words in a, a silly and lighthearted way. And I remember uh, when I was in Bible college, I think my first year, I would just make jokes all the time um, about everything. Anyone, anything, just make jokes. Everybody thought it was funny, so I had to keep, keep it going. Um, no, no one thinks I'm funny, so it's okay. Uh, but I had a teacher correct me, and he said, don't ever like, make light of Jesus or the things of God. And I, I remember I was like, how dare you? Like, I'm not, you don't even, I'm not, like, I'm taking it very seriously. But I, in a sense, I was, you know, just making jokes about things that I shouldn't have. Um, and it really, like, shook me up, and I didn't think that what I was doing was wrong. I didn't think what I was saying was wrong, but he was, he was right. And so we should be careful about how we use the name of Jesus. And it should be with reverence um, in prayer or when we're talking about him. By, by using words thoughtlessly and carelessly, they lose value to us. They don't lose value as, as a word, but to us, they, they do. And I think 
that's what uh, my teacher is trying to get me to understand. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, um, if you have social media at all or you're on the internet at all, we live in a, say, a clickbait world where they're trying to get you just to click on articles because that's how they get paid. And so they'll just go way out. And the words are just seeming to lose meaning because everything is as, as bad as it can be and everything, you know, or the most extreme it can be. Do you know what I'm saying? Like everything's disastrous or, oh, this is a hilarious. And really not many things are actually hilarious. Like <laughs> it might be funny. It might give you a chuckle. But hilarious is like rolling on the floor, crying. Like I haven't done that in a while. And it hasn't been anything I've seen online. <laughs> but we'll just take it the most extreme way that we, we can. Like, you know, watch Ben Shapiro destroy this liberal student, right? You've probably seen a video like that. And then all he does is just argue a point and talk so fast that no one can process what he's saying. And the clip's edited so you don't even see the whole thing, right? Or know what happens afterwards. That's not what the word destroy means. If he destroyed him, then he would no longer be with us. But we just, we've taken all the, these words and we just, like, watered them down so much and we've overused them and properly used words so much that everything just doesn't really mean what it's supposed to. And if we aren't careful, we can do that with the name of Jesus in our lives. I'm not, you can't take away the power of the name of Jesus from him, obviously, but by taking it in vain in our own lives, we diminish the value um, to inspire faith when we use it in prayer and praise. It just becomes something else that we say all the time. Do you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? Um, so when we use the, the name of Jesus or God or Lord or um, for sincere and meaningful communication, then we show proper respect for God and preserve the value of his name, these words to inspire faith in the hearts of both speakers and hearers. Um, so we've got... I don't know, I'm probably halfway done, but we got a lot more things, so I'm going to go through them quicker, because these ones are pretty straightforward. Um, filthy communication, that's a good one. Every time I wrote this, it auto-corrected it to fishy, which would have been funny if I left it up. One of the things um, we're supposed to put off, the Bible tells us um, when we become Christian that there's things that we should put off. One of those things is Colossians 3 and 8. It says, but now uh, you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. Why is my watch talking to me? Filthy communication out of your mouth. And Ephesians says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that may minister grace unto the hearers. Um, so filthy communication, that's pretty straightforward. Jokes, whatever. I've heard some of the filthiest jokes I've ever heard come from people that are supposed to be Christian. And if we're the, we're the temple of uh, the Holy Ghost, then we shouldn't be allowing this stuff to come out of us. Um, we shouldn't be allowing dirty jokes, words, actions, whatever, to come from us. Um, the old saying is, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? I mean, how can you say such terrible things and then go act all sweet and, and loving? And, um, and it kind of applies here. So if we're, if we're filled with the Holy Ghost, this stuff shouldn't be coming out of us. And I'm not really worried about you guys with that. I mean, if you are, stop. 
you know better. <laughs> Cursing, um, just like swearing, kind of got a, a list of words, maybe, um, hopefully they're not in your head, if they are, I'm sorry. Um, but cursing is more than just saying a, a certain word. Romans 12 and 14 says, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. So if, even if people are persecuting us, even if they're hurting us, even if they're attacking us, we don't curse them. Um, and then James 3, James 3, 10 to 12. From the same mouth came blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? No. <laughs> Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? No. <laughs> Can a grapevine produce figs? No. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So he's saying, you know, we can't bless and curse. It's one or the other. You can't have poison coming out of you and good stuff coming out of you. And so these verses are more deal with the act of placing a curse on someone. And at first, and when I said that placing a curse on someone, it sounds like something we don't do. We don't need to worry about this. We don't do that. We don't curse people, you know. We don't put hexes on people like witches or whatever. We're not into that, hopefully. And if you are, you, you definitely need to repent. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but we will make these, maybe not everyone, but we can make these offhanded sort of curses. And I don't want to say all the words, but we'll say blank you to whoever. Whatever your blank is, um, we will say different things, and I'm not going to get into them because I don't want to say them all. But we'll we'll say things maybe under our breath or when we're in a car by ourselves and someone cuts us off or um, <clears throat> you know, to someone we're upset with, and without thinking we'll say something. And sometimes we'll just even do it jokingly. We may not say the the bad words or the list that we you know. But it's a form of cursing someone. And it's a hard habit to break. Once you notice that you do this, it's a hard um, thing to do, or a hard thing to, to stop. And instead, instead of doing that, the Bible says we should pray for them. Um, so that's cursing. Reviling, that's a word that we don't use much anymore. But it means to abuse by using words. To use harsh, insolent or abusive language, and another version of this is railing, just railing on someone. That might be something we say more. Um, but it goes, it goes along with the cursing. Um, 1 Corinthians 6 and 10 <clears throat> says, Neither or nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So this is a, a serious, this is a serious one. And they're all serious, but this is one of the ones that, if you're doing this, you're not getting into the kingdom of God. Uh, we may not hit someone, but we won't think twice about degrading them with our words. Tearing them down. <clears throat> we may not abuse someone physically, but we will abuse them with our, our tongue. Paul tells us how we should react to being reviled, because sometimes when someone does it to us, we like to turn it around and give it back to them. And maybe a little more uh, to, to put them in their place or whatever. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 12 to 13, and, and we labor 
working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. That's a glamorous title, the scum of the earth, scum of the world. But he says when we, when we, let's go back, when we labor, sorry, when reviled, we bless. So that's what we should be doing when someone um, comes at us and rails on us, we should bless them um, instead of giving it back the way we want to. We need to, um, in general, watch what we say. And for some reason, um, <clears throat> we, can, we can say harsh and rude and ignorant things to and about fellow believers, including pastors and um, leaders and stuff, and and we just brush it off, never repent, never apologize. That's just me. I tell it like it is. Um, and if that's that's just me, then it shouldn't be. <laughs> or we'll say awful things to our spouses and children, or people we work with, or people who work for us, and we can belittle and accuse and attack and then turn around and pretend we never did it. Oh, I didn't mean it. Well, then don't say it in the first place because it does affect. Holiness teaches us not to speak evil about anyone and not to revile anyone. Not just the people we like or the people who look and sound like us. Anyone. Um, Michael, the archangel, he was dealing with the devil himself. And he didn't revile or rail against him. He left that to God. Jude 1 and 9. Yet Michael the archangel was contending with the devil. He disputed about the body of Moses. Durst not or did not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. And if anyone, anyone deserves to be railed on or reviled, it's the devil. <laughs> but he left it to God. And so should we. Leave it to God. Let God take care. We've talked about this before. Um, and then we got lying and bearing false witness. Now we all know not to do this. I don't think this is coming as a shocker to anyone. You shouldn't lie. Uh, but Exodus, I'm going to give you verses anyway. Exodus 20 and 16, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Uh, Revelation 20 and 8, but the, we already read this, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable <laughs> and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and adulterers and all liars shall have their part and the lake was burned with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Um, so we know lying, we shouldn't be doing it, but uh, there's also things that make lies. Uh, it says Revelation 21, 27, and there shall no and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So that can be a, something that we say, which is normal what we think of, or it could be an action that we do. Um, if you remember the list that God hates, Proverbs 6, these six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, Heart of the rise of wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among his brethren. That's in there twice. He hates it so much. He hates the false witness, and he hates the lying tongue. So to clarify, a lie means to make a statement knowing that it is false, or to say something with intent to deceive. It can also involve deliberately giving a false impression to someone who has a right 
and expectation to know the full truth. So a lie is a lie, even if it's told for a good reason. The end does not justify the means. For example, two people are fighting. The third person comes in to try to repair the damage and restore the relationship. And he goes to the first one and says, oh, buddy's he's real sorry. He's apologized. Can you, can you forgive him? And then he goes to the other, oh, he's really, this guy's real sorry. He apologized. Can you forgive him? Even though neither one of them apologized, that's still lying. Even though you're trying to bring about peace, uh, even though you're trying to reconcile or repair a relationship, it's, it's still lying. Uh, and so a lie is a lie no matter what. We, we like to sometimes justify not telling the truth, um, but the end does not justify the means. We can also lie by our actions. <clears throat> I could put up a fake diploma in my office so that I went to some fancy school and you could come see it. And think, wow, this guy is smart, even though you know better. <laughs> or, or you could ask for a reimbursement that was larger than what you spent. Or um, <laughs> not file your income taxes. Or something like that. Or, you know, we can take an offering for one thing and then give it to something else. These are all actions that are, are dishonest and are lying as well. So it's not always something we say. It can also be something we do. And then we've got careless words. Um, so Matthew 12, 36 to 37. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. But by the words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Uh, so if we speak carelessly without thinking, we can easily commit sin and harm others. Do you ever find yourself just talking and you're like, I wish they would just... Stop. Why, why am I still talking? I feel like that every Wednesday. Why am I still talking? And I'm in dangerous territory right now going into it. <laughs> but you ever just find, maybe it's, maybe it's just, I don't know. Find yourself just saying things without thinking. Uh, and then stop. When you do that, it, things tend to come out that shouldn't come out. Um, so I think, like, that's kind of, that's, why we shouldn't be doing that, because we can easily commit a sin and harm others and say something we, we shouldn't say. Um, when I have like a, a secret I'm supposed to keep, not like a serious one or something, I'll like try to talk around it for fun. And if I'm not paying attention, I'll let it slip, like if it's a present or something. Uh, I do it for the kids, for the Christmas presents, and they don't they haven't caught on yet, so now they will. But if you're not thinking, stuff will come out and it'll ruin it. Um, and, and that's kind of what happens, I think, when we don't, when we don't think. Um, most of the things we've talked about happen because we don't think before we speak. I mean, lying may be the only one that you can plan ahead. But you don't. You can't really plan to go rail on someone. It generally just comes out. You know, Maybe you play in your gossip, I don't know. But generally it just comes out when you get around certain people. Um, sowing discords and same kind of thing. I mean, you, you can plan all these things, but a lot of it seems to come out when we're not thinking and we're just, just talking and being careless. Uh, and so that's a dangerous way to live. It may be entertaining because you never know what's gonna come out of so-and-so's mouth. You never know what he's gonna say. 
it may be you know, fun to, to be around someone like that, but it's not a good way to live. It's not wise because things will come out. And so we should, um, we should think before we um, speak. Because uh, words matter. And attitudes matter. And so we need to make sure that we're not wasting words and we're using them, not using them improperly, and we're using them the right way to build up and strengthen and edify and all that. And so the last, the last point is just the importance of the tongue. James 1.26 says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridled on his own tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So what we say matters very much. James says that your religion is vain, or that means useless. Um, if you can't control your tongue, it doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter how well you dress, or you can look as holy as you want. You can follow all the laws. You can do everything to ask and more. You can give all the money you have. You can do all of this stuff. You can sing the best or preach the best or pray the best. You can do all of this, whatever. But if you can't control your mouth, the whole thing is a waste. It's, it's in vain. Your religion, everything that you've built your life on is vain because what we say matters and it can undo everything. One little slip of the tongue can just destroy someone. One wrathful tirade on someone can destroy years of witness trying to build something up. You can invite your waitress to church and leave all the invitation cards you want, but if you were ignorant and rude to her, she's not coming, and neither is anyone else in that restaurant. You've ruined it. And so what we, what we say matters. It's important to, to watch what we say, uh, and we, we need God to help us with this. And if I can be honest, of all the lessons we've covered so far, um, this one hit me the most. Um, not with the tail bearing and stuff. I'm not. If you tell me something, I'm not telling everyone. Don't worry about that. But just some of the other things. It's just things just come out um, quite easily sometimes. Um, and so, if I only ever just preached or taught about what I was good at, we wouldn't. We wouldn't get anywhere. <laughs> and so this. Um, I need Jesus to help me, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone um, in this either. And so um, we, just, we just need God to, to work in our lives and, and uh, surrender to him and let him speak through us and um, watch, what we, watch what we say, because it does matter and it does um, make a difference. So I'm going to stop before I say anything careless. But uh, we could just stand once more. We're going to just pray uh, that God would help us um, guard our, our tongue, our mouth. Uh, if there's any of these things that we, maybe we were going through, you're like, that's something I struggle with, cursing or swearing oaths. Maybe you're one of those people that say, I swear this all the time. I don't know. If that's you, then uh, we'll just, whatever it was, we'll just ask him to help us and surrender to him and let him uh, work in our lives.